0: He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. This is Pastor Doyle from The Church Next Door, and I'm excited today because we have a personal testimony of a life that was transformed by the power of God. You know, God can heal any brokenness in our life. And the reason we're having this discussion today is because it's something important right here in Ohio. We have a constitutional amendment up, and we want to encourage you to vote no. That's right. We want to encourage you to vote no on Issue 1, because it's about life. It's about parents' rights. It's about protecting women. It's about protecting our teenagers. There's a lot that goes into it. But more than that, you and I as Christians, we want to lead with the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that one in four women has had an abortion, and yet the church isn't providing places and ways for they can get healing from that brokenness and the hurt that it caused? Well, today, Jennifer and I want to introduce you to our friend from right here in Columbus, Ohio. Her name is Amy Garner. Amy would encourage you to vote no. Jennifer and I want to encourage you to vote no, but listen to Amy's testimony today of how God showed up. And he met her in the very hard, broken place that she was in after having an abortion. Abortion doesn't solve problems. It creates problems. It creates hurt and pain. And we want to step into that hurt and pain and let women know that we love them, we care for them, and we want to give them another answer. That's Jesus.
1: Let's talk about the healing process. Let's talk about what does healing look like, feel
2: like. I mean, tell us about it. For me, um, I started the process of understanding that I needed to fight spiritually, understanding that I needed to dig into His Word. Like we uh, discussed earlier today, there was no such thing as abortion recovery at that time. There wasn't Mm -hmm. a class that I could take. Nobody was talking about it. The church wasn't talking about it. Uh, And so, He just kind of led me to start digging into His Word as He began to rebuild that doctrine that had been twisted by the trauma. Mm -hmm. But still, even through this, so I was having regular morning time. I was having uh, just a a growing relationship with the Lord. But even at this time, there was still one sin that I could not bring to him. I could bring him everything else, but this one sin was too bad, too dirty, the unforgivable. And I think there was a voice in the back of my mind that every time I would think about it, that voice would say, but what if he says no? Wow. Wow. And so I was so afraid to ask that I think it almost turned into a prideful thing that suddenly I I started to say, I'm never going to ask, because that's going to protect me, right? I'm never going to ask. I'm going to carry this one to my grave, and I'm never going to ask for forgiveness. And that's when the spiritual storm started, and it began to rage. My husband and I tried to have children, and we couldn't. We spent um, probably a couple years trying, uh, and then we went to infertility. We had all the tests ran, him and I both, and I'll never forget the doctor walking in the door. And he was like, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Garner, there's no medical reason why you two cannot conceive. He thought we'd be pregnant in a month. And a year later, he would sound baffled as he pushed a brochure of adoption across the table to me and said, there's some things we just don't know but I think I knew because during that entire process, if you know anything about infertility, you get six tries, basically. I'd had five negatives. So negative after negative result, as I was going through this healing process, the storm was raging inside and I would hear the Holy Spirit whisper, ask. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Ask, ask to be a mother. I, I can't ask to be a mother. I don't deserve to be a mother. Ask for forgiveness? What if he says no? And so this went on and on. Ask, Amy. Ask. As the storm just raged. Mm. It almost felt like having your skin inside out. Mm. Anything would make me cry. Anything uh, would just send me into um, just despair because I was so afraid, if that makes any sense. Until the day I sat in the doctor's office, the very last, it was the fifth negative result. And at this point, I had stopped asking my husband to take off work, I just knew it was gonna be a negative result and I was just gonna try and handle it myself. And the doctor said, there's some things we just don't understand, we don't have much hope. But we'll try this next round and we'll see what happens. I thanked him and I walked out. My husband called me and said, do you want to meet for dinner? And I said, sure. And so we met at a restaurant. We came in two separate cars. And I got out and began to walk into the restaurant, and a pregnant woman comes walking in because, you know, when you're trying to have children. Everyone looks pregnant. That's right. And so I can remember saying to myself, Lord, if you have any mercy, please do not sit her near me because I can't do this today. I was so raw. And within 30 seconds of the hostess sitting us down, she was sitting straight in front of me, (laughs) like profile straight in front of me. Wow. And I broke. And I started crying and I couldn't stop. I said, honey, I gotta go. I got in my car and started driving home It was a very short distance, but I began crying out to the Lord, like, why? Why all of this pain, why? And again, the Spirit said, ask. And I said, okay, if you want this sin, take it, it's yours. And in that instant, it felt like that 50 pound weight just lifting. And the storm that was raging in me just silenced. And I realized I was experiencing peace for the first time in 10 years. Yeah.
0: That's so beautiful. And, and I think of all the people right now that right now are where you were for that 10 years, and they just can't ask God to forgive them. They can't ask God to give them a child or give them the next step in their life they're just not ready so what would you say to them right now anything why
1: don't we actually stop and pause and ask okay would you want to pray that with us there's somebody that wants to ask god right now i think we should just stop and pray
2: sure absolutely father god lord i just pray for every woman every man who is listening Lord, you know where they are. You know the ones that are hurting. They are your sons. They are your daughters. You are pursuing them with a relentless love. Yes. Father, I ask that you just create safety for them. Oh, make the cross a safe place for all sinners, Lord. For it is the safest place we can possibly be. So I ask... uh, Lord, that you just give each woman, each man who needs you the courage, the courage to ask for forgiveness because it's an assurance. It's already paid. You've already forgiven. You've already paid the price. It's just there, Lord, to receive. So we thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Son. For the finished work of the cross that cannot be undone. For a spirit that cannot be stopped, Lord. For the heart of a father that takes off running for a prodigal. That is who you are. Yes, Lord. So, Lord, I just ask that you be with every man and every woman who needs you today. Who is hearing this, Lord. And give them the courage to ask. Knowing that they will indeed receive. For who you set free is free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, you know, Amy, let's talk about (laughs) self-righteousness. How are we going to learn to relate to others? You know, you said this morning that one in four women have Mm -hmm. had abortions, and 70% of those are Christians. So it affects so many people. And we were talking about how do we relate to one another without being self-righteous, and that there's some language around how we should communicate, how, sh- how we should talk, even to our kids, to-, to our nieces, our nephews. Can you help us with this?
2: Sure, um, the first thing I can tell you is that it's in your family. You may not know it, but I promise you it's there. I don't think there's a family in America that has not been touched by it. And what we need to understand, um, is the way that we speak about it in our homes matters. The way we talk about uh, the unwed mom matters because if your children don't feel safe coming to you when they get in trouble, then they will try to hide it and they will do the unthinkable. So the way you talk about women who have abortions, and and I will tell you, I was the most self-righteous person Absolutely. Everything they say about me, I said about women. Hmm. I thought all of those things, and then I became one. And now I'm called to them, isn't that like Jesus Christ? <laughs> <laughs> isn't that just the yes, way it He is. works? <laughs> but it's so important how we're discussing it in our homes. It matters, and it could change whether or not a young girl feels safe to come to her parents. Or whether or not she's going to turn to do the unthinkable to try and cover it up.
1: And in our churches and in our small groups or our gatherings, what is some? what are some of the words that we can use or what is some language that would be helpful?
2: Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you post-abortive works really well. Abortion wounded works well. Um, it's th- those women that, that doesn't Anytime you, we say those anything, that that just isn't good, right? It carries a, a verbal shame, if you will. Um, we need to talk about it in our churches. I'm so excited that you have a church that's willing to discuss a very tough issue. And we need to understand, uh, kind of to your point earlier, that the cross is not a safe place for everyone. No. Unfortunately, it's not. We think it's the safest place on earth, but it's not safe when you are afraid of the God of wrath. And what actually happens in the trauma of abortion is that Satan distorts the doctrine, breaks apart the God of wrath, the God of love. Suddenly we see the God of wrath coming for us. And, And Amy, you said there
1: were several traumas that cause abortion, what are some of those?
2: When I work with women, all women that I have worked with since 2016 kind of fall into one of, I think, three categories. One is sexual trauma, rape, or molestation. Uh, The second one would be coerced, meaning they're coerced by a parent or a partner. And then there's an interesting role between the father in the home and whether or not a young girl ends up abortion vulnerable. And if the four A's are present, abuse, addiction, anger management, or abandonment. If any one of those are present, then she can become abortion vulnerable. The role of the father in the home is absolutely critical.
1: Hmm. So, so not an abusive home, just the fact that the father is available, is loving, is caring is what you're talking about.
2: Is safe, yeah. Is safe. And is a safe place, a, fa- a safe yeah. place to turn, right? That he's present. Because abandonment can also mean emotional abandonment.
0: So let's, let's, let's flip it on it for, for just a second. So um, if you're a parent uh, and you wanna try to keep your daughters and sons from being a part of this, the, the best thing you can do is to love them, to communicate with them, be open with them, and um, share a godly world view with them in an open and accepting way. If you're a single parent uh, you know, unfortunately, that's going to make your life a little bit harder, but you've got to lean into it a little bit more as a single parent. You've got to say, listen, I understand, and, and, and you let them know that you're loving, and then you've got to watch for the risks that are there. And um, I think that's an important thing for people to know, because I think a lot of people live in fear that these things will happen, and you know, over the years, Jennifer and I have had parents come in and tell us their daughter is pregnant. They're so angry. I don't know what to do. And, and we always smile and say, you know exactly what to do. Your daughter needs your love right now. Amen. She needs you to lean into this relationship. No, we don't agree with how we got to this point, but we agree that she's valuable. She's precious, you know, and, and I think that's why... Uh, that's why kids and <clears throat> I'm proud of them always I say you did great and they say well, how do we do great I said well you created an environment where your kid could make a mistake and they could talk to you about it and at that time they don't feel like it and that's what's really hard you, you want your home to be a place where kids can make a mistake and they can say I really messed up you know I wrecked the car today and, and I think I've wrecked my life and they haven't uh, it just means that they've got to deal with something. So that's that's what I would say to people.
1: So Amy, you've written a curriculum, yep. and your website is called redeemedforareason.com. dot com. I think about this curriculum uh, when when women or men come to this. You you talked about um, not only the abortion, but then the the eating disorder, the cutting, the drinking. So is this a part of the process of healing, the inner healing that happens when they go through your course, or do
2: you just focus on abortion? No, we focus on all of it, and I allow God to kind of, the Holy Spirit is in the room, and He sometimes will heal that abortion wound and then just run right past it and start healing the wounds of the past. The self-numbing, whether or not you're a distractor, whether or not you're a nummer, uh, or whether or not you just are going to compartmentalize and shut down, because sometimes that's one of the options. Oh, whoa, wait, wait. Can you break those down for us a little bit? So numbing means you're turning to some kind of substance, or um, a lot of times men will turn off their emotions. So they can compartmentalize, and compartmentalization can sometimes look like disassociation for them.
0: I thought we didn't have emotions. Okay, just kidding. I'm kidding. It's a joke. Men
2: are waffles. Women
1: are spaghetti. Remember that
2: (laughs) But we have to, you know, with men, I tell them all the time, like, the Lord is going to turn those emotions back on, and he's going to be so gentle about it. It's going to be a trickle. It's not going to be, you know, a fire hose. Um, Distractors are the ones that can't sit still. They're going to go, 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 go to keep them from being alone with their own thoughts right? And then those compartmentalizers are just going to shut it down and, and push it away. Um, and so we have to go through, and we'll discover, like, which, which way are you coping with it? And then let's address that as we go through the class. If it's a recent abortion, I'll be honest, it's usually not how are you numbing, it's what are you using to numb? Because those first months to years are tough, they are really tough, especially with the way abortions are occurring today because they're occurring by the chemical, the pill. And so what's happening today is that young girls are having abortions in their own bathrooms.
1: And are they having numerous ones because of the pill is so convenient? Are the numbers increasing?
2: The numbers are increasing. Um, but it's, I mean, there's no doctor's care. That's, that's the issue. They're getting, they can get them off the internet. I mean, I've, I've dealt with girls who've just gotten them from a friend. So a, Just a friend handed it to them, and they got it from somebody else. And so there's, there's no oversight whatsoever. So when we hear, you know, abortion is health care, there's no medical intervention at all in this. And so they, are, they come and they take a pill on like a Thursday uh, that will cut off the progesterone to the baby. And then on Saturday, they'll take the pill that puts them into labor. And this is all designed so that they can go back to work on Monday.
1: You know, while we're talking about the medical piece, Amy, tell us about what what actually does happen. What are some of the myths they don't understand? A lot of times I tell girls when the cervix is, it's designed to be so tight. It's not even supposed to have anything come through that until dilation to have a baby at full term that's when it's supposed to start opening and when you prematurely open a cervix then later when you want to have a baby it's weakened isn't that right
2: it is it can for sure and you know infertility I don't want to scare anybody um, because women off who have abortions are often terrified that they'll never be able to have children again and that's not true I carried twins Uh, but sometimes um, it is difficult to get pregnant again. And sometimes it can be difficult to carry to term. Usually uh, there's some spotting and bleeding in that first trimester. Well, do you think it's important that we let young
1: women know so that they understand ahead of time? Or would that not make a difference?
2: That's a good question. Um, I will be honest it needs to be told to them, but I'm not sure. In the moment that a woman is facing that crisis, in the moment that she is so afraid that Satan has created a level of fear in her that she's willing to gnaw off her own arm. Like that's the fear, the amount of fear that he creates. And he does it by taking a memory of a fear and attaching it to someone you love. So I hear often that you know women are having abortions because they just don't want consequences. That's actually not true. Oftentimes, women are not having abortions because of them. They're having abortions because they're afraid those they love will suffer. For me, it was that my parents would be shamed.
0: Yeah.
2: And the, he, he, Satan used a memory from my past of seeing a woman shamed in our church and attached it to my mom, in my mind, making me believe that that would be my mother for the rest of her life if I carried that child. That's right. And that is what creates the level of fear that you're willing to do anything to save those you love and you'll be the only one hurting. And that's what we believe. Yeah, It's a complete lie and it's, it's all Satan lies. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest, my, my parents are my biggest cheerleaders in this ministry that I do. My father helped me write my book. So I could have come to them. I absolutely could have, but I believed the lie at a young age, and I didn't have that intervention piece. Yeah. Um, so it's so important that our pregnancy centers are supported. Mm-hmm. It's so important the work that they do. And it's important for the church to, to talk about it, mm-hmm. because you have children in this church that may find themselves pregnant in the next six months.
0: Well, can we, can we talk about that for a second? Because if, if we're going to make the church a safe place... Uh, when we talk about post-abortive women, what, what is that part of the process? When, when you did talk to your parents, uh, what, how do we help people see that that's going to be a part of their healing to, to walk that out?
2: I think preventative work, talking with them at a young age, I believe talking with parents, and really creating an atmosphere uh, where there's safety in the church and there's safety in the home for them to have the conversations, parents to have conversations with their children. Uh, I tell my kids listen, it's not ideal. We all know it's not ideal. We all know that it's not God's way. But if it ever happens, we'll get through it.
1: That's right. Mm-hmm. I think that's wonderful.
2: It creates safety. It creates safety for, you know, the church at large, that, you know, when was the last time the church threw a baby shower? You know, how are we going to embrace, not condone and say we're approving the behavior, but to say we're going to meet you in this, and we're going to walk beside you, and you're not going to have to be alone. That this is a church that's going to come alongside you, and we're going to walk, walk you through this. Yep. Okay. Choosing life. Choosing life as a church, choosing life again as a and again. family, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So let's go back to your curriculum, Redeem for a Reason. That's your website, redeemforareason.com. And we talked about at the beginning that, so you first identify how are we coping? Are we numbing? Are we
2: compartmentalizing? What are we doing? Where do we go from there? It helps to understand our story. So one of the first things we're going to do is look, out, look at how Satan was involved, right? So we're going to dig into what was our past trauma, uh, what led to the abortion clinic. And then we're going to go through and talk about where was God, because that's another lie, right, that God wasn't there for you, that He didn't step in for you, and that's not true. God does not take our free will, but He's absolutely there with us. And so I have them do uh, a timeline and they sketch out even every five years how the Lord has been pursuing them because again, there is a deep-seated unworthiness that they don't believe they are worthy of Him. And so having that timeline, we always go back to it and say look how worthy you are. He chased you down. And then we go through and we redeem scripture Jeremiah 1:5 Before you were formed in your mother's womb I knew you. Psalms 139. These are all uh, passages of scripture that Satan can breathe condemnation into. So we go back and those are actually the verses that will set us free. Because before we were formed, that means me, that means her, before I was formed in my mother's womb, he knew me. He knew everything I was going to do he knew every mistake I was going to make he knew every wound I was going to have he knew and yet he pursued me and he chased me down and he placed his name on me and he stood up in front of Satan and said you're not going to have this one this one's mine and so we take those very verses and we let God redeem them in their hearts
1: that's good and you've seen great results. You've seen so many people set free. And like you said, they've even begun to have their own ministry or their own uh, a group or love for others. And it's a big change.
2: Yes, I've never not seen him heal. And I know that's a double negative, but I'm from Texas and that's how we talk. But I've never not seen him heal. He does it every single time. He's a healer. He is. And his word heals. It's the renewing of our mind.
0: You've been listening to Amy Garner's Powerful testimony of what God can do when we come to him and ask him to forgive us and heal us. Yes, Amy's story is about an abortion she had and how God has healed her, given her new life, and yes, given her twins. She's she's serving God today, and she helps women that have had abortion. There is hope for women out there. Jennifer and I are so glad that you stayed with us today to listen to the program. We want to encourage you now To go and vote, you can vote in person right now in Ohio. Just make sure you go to ohio.sos.gov. That's ohio.sos.gov to find out the precinct in your county where you can go and vote. Or you can wait till Tuesday, November the 7th. But I encourage you to vote now and vote no on issue one because we want to protect women. We want to protect families and children. We want to protect life. We want to encourage people that there's options for them out there. And that's why we encourage you to encourage people to vote no and vote no yourself. I know it's unusual for us to ask that, but we believe that life is important, even from the womb. So please be in prayer about the elections and be a prayer uh, for all the people that are out there, and please go vote today. Glad you've been with us for your next step. This has been Your Next Step a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at The Church Next Door. Easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for Your Next Step.